This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, gentlemen. Thank you. And I, I really, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to go through this and learn about you guys and share the story and, and, and help hopefully create some value for some people. Yeah, man. I, I, I am almost 100% certain. Let's call it 99.99%, right? <laughs> that that's going to be the case. And one of the easiest ways to start this, I think, and it's a tradition on the show is to ask, do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs, uh, working class professionals, uh, creatives? Uh, the answer is no. Nope. My, uh, my dad actually worked for Pepsi when I was a kid, um, which was super cool because everybody thought he was the coolest kid ever, right? Because he'd bring Pepsi to ball games and stuff in the Pepsi truck and everybody thought that was cool. Um, and then my mom just uh, secretarial work and just help bookkeeping and stuff like that. But no, yeah, no entrepreneurial or nothing like that. Nice. Okay. And uh, how did that influence your decisions while you were growing up to like towards becoming a business owner? You know, guys, look, I think I didn't, it was one of those things you don't even know you don't know. Right. And I didn't realize it until it was well into my junior college career. Cause I spent five years going through JUCO. I thought I'd be the NFL player being short and white. And that doesn't always work out for, unless you're Steve Largent, right? Nowadays it actually helps, but I'm a little bit older. So it wasn't until I shoot probably my early twenties when I, my, the first like full book that I read was uh rich dad, poor dad. Mm. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's a, and I don't know why I always break out in song when I do this, but it was a whole new world. And then, <laughs> and then it just kind of, kind of catalyst from there and, and just one thing after another, but that's, that's really where it started. But I, I didn't think anything different of the world. I got a great kid. I had a great childhood. I didn't think anything different. That's really fascinating. I, I remember reading um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I was, I think, maybe 17, something like that when it came out. Uh, I mean, at least when I when it came onto my table. Yeah. Uh, and it was too early for me to really appreciate what it was talking about. I mean, you could be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But you only appreciate it like after you've had right. a couple of hits on the chin. <laughs> um, so it's interesting that that's where your journey sort of started. And now in my notes, I have here that you've helped raise over $42 million with investment banking, right? So yeah. let's try to bridge the gap here with uh, what you're doing now versus from that time that you decided to read that book and say, whoa, wait a minute, there's a whole new world out here. Yeah. So oddly enough, my, my background is in kinesiology, oh, right? Wow. Which, which is the study of movement. And so I went to, I went to college and I learned how to basically tape ankles and rehab athletic injuries. And after reading that book, I was sitting there one day and the, and the rep came in and he's doing an in-service and teaching us how to use these new machines. And I'm like, I'm not going to be a PE teacher, no offense to teachers. And I'm not going to be some dude 
that's running out on the field, making 40,000 a year at an NFL game, working 12 months out of the year, 24 hours a day. So I went to this guy and I said, hey, can I do your job? And he said, absolutely, with your background. So jump fast forward, I went to wash, or I went to work for Johnson & Johnson. I actually sold medical devices. And the thing that I realized is that, I mean, it's a big world, but now I'm making money and I have no idea how to make it, right? I'm 24 years old. I'm making 120, 130,000 a year. I'm, I think I'm living high on the hog. And my dad's like, y'all, you need to do something. And so I went back and I actually read it again. Rich dad, poor dad, bought a house. And then I was introduced to an education process, you guys, that was really, it was a seven-step series on how the wealthy manage their money. And I, I walked away from Johnson & Johnson after five years, and I moved to Utah to become an advisor right before the crash in 2008, right? Mm. And so I was doing presentations on self-directed Roth IRAs and all of these tools that the wealthy used. And a buddy of mine came to me and said, hey, this developer wants to build a self-directed Roth IRA platform for to raise money for his real estate projects. So great, I can do that. Went in, he ended up bagging that project. And I went on to raise 35 million for him through Chinese and Russian investors through an immigration program. And then from there, just doors started open. But I had zero investment banking background. I didn't have a database. I didn't, I had, I was literally a deer in headlights when this guy comes to me and goes, Hey, you're going to raise money through this. Get your passport. You're going to China. I'm like, Are you out of your mind? Like, I have zero experience. Like, I've only known you for two months. And in no part of my history says I can do this. And I jumped on LinkedIn, you guys. And in four years, I raised 35 million from zero network all through LinkedIn. And I I kid you not, I was on an airplane every seven weeks for two years. I was getting my MBA and I'd go to China every seven weeks. I'd have a seven week block. I would jump on a plane, go to China, come back, get back in MBA class for two years. I raised 35 million that way. Man, at that point, the MBA was just formality. (laughs) (laughs) And and the the funny thing, Bill, was you say that because I, so for for everybody that's listening, right, I'm sitting in, I'm sitting at these tables. I've got a kinesiology degree and everybody's got MBA, MBA, business degree, this and that. And I'm like, and I would ask a simple question, like simple question, like, hey guys, how are you going to service the debt on that? And they would just look at me like, Ugh, yeah, right. But as soon as I got that MBA, they started listening to me. Same question, same question. Hey guys, how are you going to service that debt? Well, Man. Mike, right, Mike, <laughs> so we're going to do, I'm like, wait a minute. I asked you the same question two years ago and you guys scoffed at me. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so, oh man. Yeah, it's it's interesting the the paradigm not only that we put on ourselves, right? The value I I'm sitting at this table and I can't talk to these guys. I don't have an MBA from Harvard or or Stanford or but it's just a simple question. But as soon as that piece of paper is on the wall, things shifted for them. I'm like, "Wait, that's so weird. How did that happen?" So it was a formality, Philip. It's interesting that you bring that up because that's exactly what it was. Man, you should have just went on Google and just printed one out. <laughs> <laughs> just walk over to it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. I went yeah. through the accelerated course. <laughs> yeah. The online weekend. That's what it was. <laughs> hey, man. You know, I, I've sat in rooms with uh, some of the, the most successful people, even people who've gone to like London School of Economics. And while I may not be able to do the math equations they can do, like you said, in business, sometimes it's just about asking the simplest and most accurate question for the moment. 
that helps a, a business decision become a success, right? Yeah. And all their formulas and even whatever business plan you may have had will stand up to the power of one solid question that can right. change the trajectory of things. Yeah. And so I just I just laugh when I when I hear it because I how many entrepreneurs do we have to point to who didn't even graduate seventh grade, you know, like, <laughs> that's yeah, not, that's not everybody, obviously. No, no, but it, it, it's the thing is, and even going into Johnson and Johnson, and I understand companies need to have some sort of benchmark to get going. Right. But I've known so many great, great quote unquote salespeople that would never get a chance at a company like Johnson and Johnson simply because they don't have a degree. And that's also, I mean, it's unfortunate for Johnson and Johnson but extremely unfortunate for the individuals. And now in today's world, with all the computer software and having to write your resume to fit that software, it, it really has, I get where they're coming from because they're inundated with resumes, but man, what a disservice to the individual as well as the company because you're passing up some qualified, qualified people because that word's not on the resume or that degree's not on the wall. Yeah, those softwares are insane. I mean, we just had a conversation with someone earlier about uh, Jake. Uh, was it J.K. Rowling, the Harry mm. Potter author, rejected like two hundred times by other publishers? And you look at the success of Harry Potter. You know, you can point to a million of these stories, and yep. it, it's always people who I just feel like you. You always get a sense of if you're good at anything in life, if you have any degree of excellence, it's not hard to recognize excellence in others. True, right? And I feel like middle management. And other roles just get in the way of being able to spot unique once in a lifetime talent that may come through your doors asking for an opportunity to be a part of your company. And I feel like that's what was happening with what you were doing is, you know, you, you had a way of seeing the world that just seemed to make sense. And here you were surrounded by people who were like, you can't sit with us kind of mean girls, if you will. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was. And that's the thing, right. It's seek to be understood, right? It's it's yeah. a it's it's a simple analogy. And that's all I was doing is like, hey guys, how you service that debt? Like I'm I'm not a I'm not an economist. I'm not a mathematician, but I know numbers. I can see numbers on a wall. I get this, this, this adds up to that. This those two numbers didn't match. <laughs> Why is that? And they just couldn't answer or they didn't want to answer. Come to find out it was creative accounting, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> I've heard of this. This you, you last have to, art. You have to inject <laughs> rocket science into everything. Right. That's what it is. And if, if I just plus, put this, if I put this massive mathematical formula on the wall, it's just going to confuse the investors and they won't right. ask questions. And I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. It says two plus two equals seven. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, that's because the meaning of life is to create value for shareholders, right? That's it. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. And if yeah. I if and tomorrow that two plus two is gonna be seven and a half, but yeah. you know, who's counting? <laughs> no, man. So so you start doing this and you get your MBA because you had to do it while you're taking trips to China. Where does protection point advisors really start to take shape? Are we far from that in this point of the story? No, it, it not really, because I, mean, I had my Series 7 license because you had to to raise money and get paid for it. And my Series 66, which is really the blue sky, as so you can charge people for your advice um, on the security side. And so what had happened was, is I started raising money for other individuals and other groups. And you know, politics aside, there were six investors from Russia that were going to put money into a hotel project out of New York. And uh, everything happened with 
uh, President Trump and the Russian collusion and everything else. And the investors end up backing out. And I was like, oh, okay. Now, with a lot of professions, you can just hang your license at different professions, but in securities, you can't. It's a liability for the broker dealer. So they called me and they said, look, you're not really producing anything. I, we're going to need you to resign. And I'm like, perfect. I can do that. If anything comes up, call us. We'll, we'll take care of you. Well, nothing came up. And so now I'm at a crossroads and I'm like, okay, I've got my licenses. I've spent a lot of time and money going through that process. What do I do? And so I went through a free, which I learned during the MBA program. I went through a free business model blueprint online and really like, what is my value? Like, what do I, what value do I want to create in the world? And then on the right side of that value is what is the client avatar? How do I serve them? How do I reach them? Like, what's the revenue model? And then on everything on the left are like, how do I deliver that? Who do I need to? Key partners. And what it boiled down to you guys was it goes back to what I originally moved to Utah for, for a process and system that systematizes that somebody can go through step-by-step step and learn financial literacy. What is the difference between an LLC, a C-Corp, and an S-Corp? Which one should I have? Difference between term life, whole life, IUL, et cetera. So I started to build the infrastructure. And as you guys know, working in the business and on the business at the same time is a challenge, right? And then fortunately for me, I ran into a, a Bellwether member, by the way. And she's like, dude, you got to talk to this guy. So I talked, his name is Jerry, not a Bellwether. And Jerry's like, oh my gosh, you got to talk to these guys, which was Protection Point Advisors. And we went through this process and learning what they did. And I'm, I'll tell you what, I was so upset initially because I'm like, dude, I just wasted 12 months building this stuff and you guys have everything in place. So all I have to do is plug in and they're just like, yes. And I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and, and it's funny. It's funny because my mentor now, Patrick, he started laughing. He's like, I, I'm I'm confused. If I would have known you 12 months ago, I could have missed all this headache. And he's then the then the Yoda came out and he said, Well, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. <laughs> like, bro, that didn't help, man. So <laughs> that's kind of the sequence, Philip, on how I went from raising the, the money, the 42 for a handful of companies. Most of that came from the 35, and then just kind of being forced into this side of the business and really focusing on business owners, helping them, you know, look, it's one thing to plant the seed and get the business off the ground, right? Raising capital, get them what they need, developing the capital stack, and ultimately, hopefully helping them everything in place at the beginning for the end. And then now working with individuals, mostly business owners, helping them land that plane. You've had this, this monstrous career. You've got this opportunity. You've got this baby. What do you do with it? And how do you get this landing in your quote unquote retirement tarmac? And so that you're walking off into whatever sunset you want to walk off into. And that's been that transition. So I think a lot of the value is that most advisors, no offense to them, but they really haven't done a lot of things because they can't. And there's a lot of regulations within this, within the securities industry and the financial advisors, what they can and cannot do. And I think that's with the systems and processes that Protection Point offers, and then understanding that I've gone through a lot. I mean, I've been in the trenches with owners, raising capital, grinding through this. And so when I sit down with a business owner, I'm like, I know where you're at. I've been there. It sucks, but here's a way out. And that's that's kind of how we got to where we are now. 
oh man i mean you understand the entire life cycle of a of, of a business of a business that's interested in raising capital and then how to land it it's invaluable no matter where you go yeah. uh before we go any further i want to make sure we check in with jason and see his reflections on on your story so far yeah yeah you know it it's funny because i think everybody at some point has been through some of those aha moments where yeah. you you realized wow somebody else is doing that right and, and then you're like, wow, I could have just copied and pasted that. Holy crap. Right. <laughs> and we were just having that conversation earlier today with somebody about, uh, well, what, what did he say? Oh yeah. Uh, he said, I believe uh, in plagiarizing success play- vigorously. That's right. That's a big one. Vigorously plagiarize success. Right. And, and I tell people that, look, if it's on LinkedIn, I'm going to plagiarize it. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Done. Yeah, for sure. And, and the, the, the cool thing about it is, is you look at all the business models that are out there in the world and there's lots of them, right? <clears throat> there's lots of them that are good. Probably three quarters of them suck. Um, <laughs> but when you find the stuff that's working, right? That's the stuff you want to knock off, right? Yeah. It's like, why reinvent the wheel? Why take the arrows in the back all over again and start something from zero when you can just copy and paste, right? Yep. And th- there's a lot of lessons to startup founders that can be had from that conversation of, you know, people get too married to their ideas, right? Ego gets in the way, they're my baby, that kind of thing. I'm going to do it differently than everybody else you know, all those kind of things. And that's living on the bleeding edge. And that is not a very good place for a startup to be. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. A startup shouldn't live in the bleeding edge. And, you know, I've lived out on the bleeding edge for a long time, but I can also afford to take the kick in the nuts too. Right. <laughs> when something don't work where a startup company can't. So Go out there and find somebody that's doing what you want to do. Have a conversation with them, right? Have that conversation. Pick their brain. This is where the mentorship side of things comes in, right? Pick their brain. Find out how they're doing things. And then copy paste. Yep. Well, I mean, I, and I think the interesting thing about that, Jason, is look, there are startup CEOs, there are growth CEOs, there are exit CEOs, and there's wartime CEOs, right? Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that in, in a corporate America now, a lot of the CEOs are starting to step down because it's it's going to get tightened, right? But I think in today's social media world, I think it's a certain disservice because the reality is, is you have to understand where you are and how you interact with the world. I'm not a creative. I don't know how to write copy. And I'll tell you a funny story. My first class at my MBA, I got a C on my paper and I went into the teacher and I was furious. I'm like, are you kidding me? And she's like, Mike, as a student in this program and as a future leader, you need to be able to write creatively. And my response to her was, tell me one CEO in this country that writes his own bio. He has writers. I can outsource writing creativity. So I would ask you to read the paper for content, not creativity. Now, if I'm misspelling words and punctuations all over the board, then yes, you and I need to speak about something. But 
understanding where you are in the place, in your place, at in your headspace and understand that, you know what, I may not be able to start a company, but I can sure in the heck help that person grow theirs. And then that becomes the fair exchange. Now, most people don't live by fair exchange, so it's a different conversation. But that is the thing is not everybody, it's the reality. Not everybody can be a business owner and that's just statistics, but it's also reality. But if I can help somebody grow their business, then that that's something different. And I'm still creating a ton of value. I can make a ton of money. I always joke that I'm I'm like 3M, the company. I don't make the product. I make it better. Mm. You just have to understand where you are in, in the world. You bring up a really valid point. I have a whole life before all this uh, podcasting and, and and digital marketing where I was a, a musician and actor, right? And there are other people out there that I had met who, regardless of whether they were performing at a level that matched mine or, or exceeded it, they were far, for all my charisma, I couldn't gather people the same way they could, even with less charisma. And I do believe that the same thing can be said about entrepreneurship and business ownership. For some people, that's like they wouldn't be able to do anything else if they tried. It's just how yep. they are, and that's what they do. And it's almost like a force of nature that they're that they're that they play a role in the world in just that way, right? Uh, so I, I I really have a lot of respect for the way you fought for your position there. With you're like, I'm going to delegate this, like. I understand the value of, of creative writing. I just know that I also understand that's not the place I need to be spending my time. And I, I can appreciate that, but that's that's just how someone who's in business would think. And it's ironic that this is your business class and this, the, the one of the right. first rules is like, oh, no, 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 I need you to do it. Okay, but it, the CEO's job is to not be doing that. And yeah. so I, I, just, I just really appreciate that we're having that conversation and being able to like, invite people to have that idea because there are CEOs out there right now that should be CMOs instead, you know? Well, <laughs> well that's, and, and Phil, this is, this is when, like, when we work with business owners, like I've, I've talked to them and I've asked them, Hey, so what is one need that you have? Right. Because within protection point advisors, we have a national referral network that has dozens and dozens of professionals that I have vetted, interviewed, talked to. So when somebody says, I need this, more than likely I can make that warm introduction pretty quickly. But they're like, well, we need like a CFO. And I'm like, do you, <laughs> or do you need a bookkeeper or maybe a controller? But I don't think you need a CFO right now. And so let's talk about the difference and then come to find out it's not a CFO. They're not even ready for that level, right? They're, they just need somebody to delegate the bookkeeping, payroll and taxes so they can do what they do and operate the business, right? So it's just some of these nuances. And these are some of the things that were just not taught across the board, but you just have to understand what your need is because you're right. Some CEOs, like I'm working with a guy right now and we're structuring a $30 million raise. And he's flat out told me, he's like, Hey, when we get to a certain, cause we're, they're opening, uh, I think 10 or 11 locations of what they do. When we hit four or five, we're going to hire a CEO. And I'm like, that's not you, which I knew the answer. And he's like, absolutely not. Nope, we're going to hire somebody to do this. But that's, right, that's the self-awareness, the yeah. confidence, and the vulnerability to be say, that's not my position. I need to bring somebody in that's going to handle that for me. I love it, man. I mean, that this is a conversation that needs to be magnified and repeated over and over. Because yeah. there's a lot of people out there who have CEO on their business card. It's like, like, you know, 
for for all I know, you know, I can work with a contractor I have in the past, but man, like the idea of waking up one morning, realizing that payroll is due and I've got a whole team with families who need their all, all their rent and everything paid and the clients aren't paying. So we have hypothetical revenue, but not actualized revenue and what the Delta is between that and how we're going to like, if you start managing all of that in your head as a CEO, like that's, that's a different level of stress that only certain people can handle. And even they can't handle it, but they thrive in it. You know, right. they, they find a way yep. for me. I'm like, oh man, somebody get somebody. Yeah. Let me, let me take care of the communications and public relations. I'll speak to the publics for you. You know, I'll tell everybody it's going to be okay. In fact, I'll <laughs> even talk to the team about it for you while you go handle all the legal stuff. All right. I'm an operator, let's say. <laughs> well, but that's yeah. it. That's it, Philip. Look, people say that they procrastinate on, on things. And my response is no, you don't. You just don't want to do them. Don't tell me you procrastinate. That's not your lane. So either you, you're you in the bus, either you move to a different seat on the bus, that is your lane, or you just delegate the task. But don't tell me you're procrastinating because you're not. You're just avoiding it or you don't want to do it. Let's be honest. That's, uh, there's nothing creative about that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just is it, right? There is, and, and this goes back to what Jason and I were just talking about, right? It's, it's understanding your value proposition and where you fit and then having the confidence and the wherewithal be like, Hey, look, man, I'm, I'm willing to go to bat for you. I'll help you in any way that I can. That's just not my, that's not my seat, man. That's not it. I, I can help you have the conversation like with PR or website development or marketing funnels. I can sit down and have a conversation on how to structure that kind of stuff. But you asked me to actually create the deliverables, it's not happening. It's just not happening. I <laughs> Hire somebody. It, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Um, so if people, if people want to know, I guess we're getting, we're going to start moving in a different direction. If people want to actually learn more, get in touch with you, things of that nature, where would they go for that? Yeah, either protectionpointadvisors.com or nrnamerica.com, which is the national referral network, america.com. So nrnamerica.com or protectionpointadvisors.com. And we do monthly webinars and they're free for everybody. We are we are an educational firm. And so yeah, I would certainly and that we've got we've had bellwether members on those webinars as well. Uh so which I I appreciate you guys doing what you guys are doing. But yeah, protectionpointadvisors.com or nrnamerica.com. Right on. And if you had to say you had a bottom line advice, and I think we kind of touched on it a few times here, but if you had some advice that you're like, this is my bottom line for anyone sincere about getting into business or leveling up in business, what would that be? Have the end in mind, right? We, we talk about um, the law of the straight line. I believe that's the law of the straight line that you have to structure anything, right? Your personal financial life, you have to structure the business with the end in mind. At some point in time, I talked to a friend of mine and I was like, hey, we need, to, we need to start talking about a secession exit plan. He's like, I'm not retiring. And I'm like, bro, you are going to die. <laughs> like it's, in, it's inevitable, right? And if that's your retirement, if you walk out of this gym right now and get hit by a bus and die, that's your retirement. Are you planned for that? No, great there's so many nuances that people don't understand. You cannot go to somebody and say, Hey, I want to sell my business. When next month, mm, that's a tough one. 
But so anything that you do in finance, start asking better questions, you'll get better answers. The second thing is always have the end in mind. When you raise capital, you don't want a thousand, two thousand investors. Not all money is good money. So pick your people that you want to work with because you're going to be married to them and have the end in mind. What is that exit? How are you going to get out of this thing? How are you going to capitalize on it? What's that look like? And build to that. Man. I love it. Before we go any further into the next segments, I want to check in with Jason because I know he's loving this conversation just like I am. Yeah. I mean, the whole investment world, right? You know, I see people, they get involved with, uh, you know, like these investment platforms and all this kind of stuff and so on and so forth. Well, you know, Bill gave 20 bucks. So he owns, I don't know, point zero zero one percent or some <laughs> crap right it's like you said just because it's money doesn't mean it's good money right because yeah. anybody can invest in something <laughs> right in today's world of investing and i think it's important for business owners to know you know pick and choose wisely who you decide you're gonna lay next to right, right. Cause you go and lay next to him for a minute. <laughs> so, right. So, so you better pick and choose wisely in who that is. Can the relationship be created there to make that relationship, uh, not just a relationship of money, but a relationship that's meaningful, right. Yeah. From the investor side of things where you can actually create a relationship there. Um, because I only believe in win-win-win situations. It's got to be three wins, period. Otherwise, I just don't get involved, period. And I'm very much into the relationship side of business, right? Huge into the relationship side of business. Because if you can't form a relationship with the people that are around you, that either support you, serve you, investors, employees, whatever the case may be, then at the end of the day, your ass is on an island. Absolutely. Period. And that's the last place you want to be is on an island. You want everybody around you to support the mission as if it's their own to include those investors that are invested in your company. Yeah. And this is and this is the thing that always gets me, Jason, is that when I when I talk to business owners about setting up 401ks or retirement plan or any, any sort of thing that's going to get them to the next level, oh, my CPA's got it handled. Okay. Well, <clears throat> one, your CPA is not licensed to do that. So let's be honest. And then <laughs> two, the follow-up question is, is your CPA a relative of yours? And oftentimes they are. Um, and the very harsh question is, is at the end of the day, if you are not where you want to be financially, is your CPA going to subsidize your lifestyle? And usually the answer is usually silence, right? Because they don't quite understand the question. So I repeat it. And then they're like, well, why would they? Well, then why would you stay with your CPA? Not saying other CPAs are going to subsidize it, but if they're not doing what you need to be get done, if they're not proactive in your lifestyle, in your business, and they're not bringing suggestions to the table, then why are you working with them? I don't care if they're your brother, your aunt, your cousin. It should not matter. This is your life, your business, and apparently your unicorn 
to this holy grail of a retirement plan where you're going to sell this for multi, multi millions of dollars and you haven't done one thing to set that up. So let's start having honest conversations. Comes down to this. What gets measured gets managed. What gets managed gets improved. That's what I'm talking about. That's it. That's it. That's it. There is nothing else. It's it's very <laughs> and and the up and Jason I 100% agree and and it's down to math it's super simple mm-hmm. but then again money and math don't work math is not money and money is not math but you do have to have those formulas to look at it and measure it to see where you're at but people don't want to fire their brother that's a CPA <laughs> right like I'm like it, you should you really should <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it's like oh, the only people I can trust is uh, is my family with all that money. I probably mean, the, it's probably the worst person you can trust. <laughs> yeah, <that>. yeah. <laughs> right? They're not they're not going to they're not going to be objective about their position or the money you're getting that they may not be getting. I'm related to you. I can do this, right? And <laughs> the if they go go on, <laughs> yeah, and, and if they go sideways, you're not going to be like, bro, I want to fire you, because you're not going to say that to them, and they're going to be like, ooh, that business really sucks. I can't tell my brother the business sucks. Right. So then you just go down with a sinking ship and that's not good either. Yeah, man. No, there's something to be said about someone who you bring on as a partner that can challenge you and actually voice. There's nothing more expensive in business than something that's true that nobody is bringing up. Right. Nothing more expensive than that from the employee to a partner on or to a board seat to the, the management team. If something is important and it's true and someone isn't bringing it up, hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of dollars lost just yeah. because it wasn't mentioned because whatever. It goes back to what Jason said, right? Measurable. And this is the kicker is when you talk to partner owners, well, who's, who founded the company? We're co-founders. No, you're not. <laughs> one of you guys woke up in the middle of the night and be like, man, I want to do this and brought the other one. Who's the one that had the dream? And they'll be like, I did. Great. You're the founder. Write it down. Put it in the operating agreement. It doesn't matter. This is an ego thing. You guys can go off and say that you're co-founders. Do whatever you want. That person's a CEO. That person's put some three letters behind their name. I don't care what they are. But that dude is the one or gal. That's the one that said, yes, let's do that. You can't have two founders. No, it's it's important. Uh, even even in like rock bands, uh, the way they structure the deals, in the music business, there's a key member and then everybody else, right? And if the key member is out, the contract dissolves because then what the thing isn't going to work the way it was supposed to to begin with, right? Right. Every everything has to have that. There's always an element that that's involved in that way. Uh, always. But uh, people, you know, if we have to be. We are creatures of emotion and you know everybody's trying to make everybody feel good but that's where self-awareness for from those who are successful self-awareness is key i think we talked we touched on that earlier um but i want to go ahead and take out some time because this is hot right now i mean we're on fire in this in this episode um I want to take some time to give a shout out to somebody who made a conversation like this possible uh from our community we have a limited slot that we uh number of slots that we give to people uh in our community that listen to this show and one of them is Stillwater Hemp with Melanie Costin. And uh, she runs a self-care CBD company called Stillwater Hemp. And they have the whole thing you're looking for. So if you haven't tried out CBD, you should definitely check it out, especially if you're an anxious person. It could do wonders for you uh, from creams to things that are edible. And CBD is not THC. 
don't worry. There's no psychoactive uh, effects to it. If anything, it cools you out, man. And uh, they even have some for your fair, for furry family members. If you have furry family members, you can get all that going on. Uh, there's non-CBD. It, it's just creams and ointments, but all of them are made with essential oils, which are supposed to compound the effects. So it's really interesting stuff, really organically made products. They stand by the integrity of what they do. They've got online shops, brick and motors, and they even have the ability to help you launch a private white label situation. So if you're into that, regardless of how you want to pursue it, go ahead and let them know that you heard about them on the War Room podcast. And if you type in War Room, uh, all caps, you can get 10% off online. And if you're going that private label route where you want a white label and create your own product, they'll give you $100 off your first order if you told them you heard about it here. And I mean, you know, that's that's a pretty sweet deal if you're trying to break into that business. That being said, let's get back to this now. Uh, we're pretty cl- we're pretty close to the uh, the grand finale here. Uh, where and I, I just want to make sure before we go, I check in with Jason here. Let's do it. Let's do the grand right. finale. So for all the points, Mike, if you could have invited anybody on all the things that we're touching on right now, everything to like join in, hear your <clears> journey, <throat> be like, wow, really? You know, no, especially knowing what they know about you now, or or in general, what they may not know about you. Who would that be and why them? You know, you got this. This is the, I told you at the beginning, man, this one's, a, and you're like, hey, don't worry about it. During the conversation, something <laughs> will come to mind. And look, I, 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 I don't know. There's actually, there's, there's probably two of them. Um, Elon would certainly be one, um, but Peter Thiel. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, one, just the thought process between the both of them, how they see the world, how they see money, the innovation two different industries, right? But um, how they see things and just to pick their brain on just to, I mean, I wish at some point in time, I wish, you know, if this is the matrix, I want to be woken up because I wish I could just download things very quickly in my head. And those, the way they, those two see the world in money is just a different, different, different level. It's not a Bill Gates. I know Warren Buffett, everybody talks about Warren Buffett, but he was in a different time and he's held on to things that he's held on for 60 years. It hasn't changed and good for him for doing that, but it's just a different world completely. And it's never going back the way it was. And so innovations happening all the time. And there's just a key, some key people that are constantly pushed innovation. Those would be the ones I'd want to talk to. Absolutely. I'm like right there with you. Very few people who have their, their finger on the pulse of what's actually happening and how consequential things can actually be. And you don't need to look that far to see who they are because they stand out. And they're usually hated by a lot of people, even though they're equally loved and that that's a clear sign of somebody that's doing something right, uh, no matter how you look at it. Uh, So I appreciate that you brought up Peter Thiel. I don't hear that name enough. Uh, yeah, amazing. And I, and I think it's a valid, a valid uh, person to bring into the script. I had a great time talking to you, man. Um, I feel like I could learn a lot from just consistently being in touch with you. So you said NRN.com was one of them. Was that? So, yeah, NRNAmerica.com, and then ProtectionPointAdvisors.com. Awesome. Yep. Uh, and so it is tradition around here for Jason to close us out. So I'll let him do that. Yeah, great. I mean, awesome conversation. Wonderful story true story of a beautiful story of the struggles of entrepreneurship. Cause you know what? All the good ones are 
they're, they're full of struggles, right? If somebody would ever tell me, no, I got it right the first time. Yeah, sure. You did schmuck. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that there's always things that go wrong and that's just part of the deal. That's part of the, you signed up for that when you decided to step away from uh, being an employee and into the landmine of entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, business ownership, whatever you want to call it. But anyway, all that being said, thank you for taking the time to be here, spend some time with us and uh, drop some good truth bombs on people. Yeah, guys, look, I, my only, my only regret is that I wish I would have signed up for this when I saw this thing, you know, four or five, six weeks ago, whatever the case is, but, but there's so many things to unpack. And, um, it, I mean, so many things uh, in terms of the financial world, but I look, I love what you guys are doing. I appreciate it. And as Bellwether members, it's always great to sit down and meet other Bellwether members and create some value. Absolutely. Right on, well, thanks for stopping by, man. Awesome. Thank you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.